0: Hello and welcome back to AFDM, the space where we delve into art, film, dance, and music. This episode shines light on Kubla, a gifted singer-songwriter, producer, and multi-instrumentalist. His music, a remarkable blend of soul, poetry, and philosophy echoes the artistic legacy of his Celtic musician parents, while invoking the spirit of soul legends. As we explore Kubla's musical universe, get ready for a thoughtful reflection on his journey through the music industry. How do you typically approach the process of creating a new song or album? I like
1: to I like to, uh, like to kind of call myself uh, a song farmer. Song farmer. Yeah, where I, I take like a very agricultural approach to music which it's just an analogy obviously but I like to plant seeds so I like to basically amass as many ideas as I possibly can of like different vibes different types really focus on like what the idea is and then basically I kind of think of it psychologically I come at from uh, from the perspective that you kind of have like creative and then executive parts of your brain And it's really important to engage those two parts of your brain independently of one another because they tend to get in each other's way. So I, I try to engage the creative part of my brain by amassing as many seeds as I can. And... I'm obviously a creative, so I'm a creative dominant person. So like, I'm really bad at doing my taxes. I'm really bad at like doing other things that are quite executively focused. Yeah, Yeah. you can probably relate.
0: I can relate. (laughs) I can, man, I can relate.
1: You can relate. Easy. (laughs) Exactly. So I have to leave a very limited amount of time for the executive part of my brain. So even if I really like an idea, I can't necessarily bring it to the finish line because that's such an executive process. It's like, you really have to execute the, um, you know, the minutiae, the details, all the things that go into the small picture of making that big picture idea into a constrained reality. So I like mm-hmm. to leave ideas as ideas and let them germinate and rest until I like to visualize them kind of sprouting, which is, you know, them kind of appearing in my mind over and over again. Or I look back and I'm like, oh, that's actually a standout. So know? it has to repeat
0: type of thing? Is that what you're saying?
1: It, it, it depends. Like sometimes I just like look back on my voice notes on my phone or I look back at uh, Ableton projects or I look back at jams that I did with friends or whatever it might be. And I acknowledge that this idea is clearly something that is bigger, that strikes more, that plays into a culture that I'm trying to play into more or plays to like most of the time I'm really trying to relate to the individuals. So yeah. It relates to to myself as an individual, and therefore, I feel like I can explain it to people in a way that relates to them. Like with Running Loose, for instance. Yes. Running Loose was... You guys sp- must listen to it, by the way. Like, <laughs> yeah, have to listen to it. Hella good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, running Loose was me sitting at my piano, writing basically a verse, a pre-chorus, chorus. Like, I just had that flow in my head. and then it kind of evolved into this sort of philosophical concept that I had Mm. that I really resonated with emotionally. And even though it's a very heady philosophical concept, I really felt the song provided an emotional resonance for it. So I decided to go ahead with it. So I I took it to my band. So that was kind of the second stage. So it was like the seedling, and then you kind of have like the, the like baby plant. And Mm. I don't know if you You've gardened much, but yes, I love gardening. You got plants, you know. I got plants. Yeah, it's yeah. So but what, <laughs> there's there's basically like a terminal velocity that you have with plants, where like you you can leave it be. You don't have to protect it from weeds. It's going to be fine. Like nothing's yes. really going to kill it. Yes. and so I like to protect it up to that point. But then once I'm with the band and I feel like it's reached its velocity, then I just let it go. I just you let, let it, it bloom. Let it bloom, let it become its own thing. Yeah. And that's the part of the executive process. And I've, I'm really fortunate that I have done a lot of work to make friends with people who are really good at helping me execute. So uh, it's my engineering team. I have an engineer, a mixing engineer, and a mastering engineer. Mm. And they just help me bring it to the finish line so effortlessly. We yeah. just have a lot of fun hanging out and that's it. When you
0: said you let it bloom... Um, I just I had this metamorphosis mm-hmm. type of uh, thought mm-hmm. in my head, especially when you're involving other people. It's really hard to like if you're alone. It's really hard to get into that more metamorphosis yeah. stage of things, right? You'll kind of still stay a caterpillar. I'm totally. not. I'm not calling you. No, no. But yeah, you'll kind of still stay a caterpillar, and it's only when you start introducing other aspects or or uncontrollable. Uh, not situations, departments, mm-hmm. um, things that you can't have control over. Yeah. And it's basically other people's minds in, yeah. a, in this
1: instance.
0: 100%. Right. And once you add that aspect to it, you start including things that even you didn't would know. Never have, Yeah, and yeah. would never
1: have thought of and sometimes mm-hmm. resist too. And it, like it brings me back to the same exact same feelings that I had when I was playing with friends as a kid. And like there's a lot of analysis to go on there of like those feelings of, kind of you know, when you're, when you're a kid and you're making up games with friends, right? Like you're constantly negotiating rules and you're constantly like, I have this funny video of my younger brother and I, my younger brother plays bass on that track. When
0: you say younger brother, I always think of my younger brother, who yeah. is like seven years old. so <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah. My younger brother is a year and a half younger than me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're basically That twins. makes a lot more sense. But there's like a, my dad took a lot of videos of us when we were like probably like four to seven. Yeah. And. Uh, we, I was making up this game with my brother and he was like fighting me on it and and he was trying to make up the game back. In that creative process, that's the exact same thing that I go into with my friends where we're constantly negotiating. But the main thing to preserve is the fact that we're having fun
0: mm-hmm. because
1: if we don't have fun, then we can't get into a place of flow Mm -hmm. and so the banter and the relationship that we have really helps with everything and help build the trust so even when somebody makes a decision that i don't necessarily like and that metamorphosis can actually happen because you resist it right like you want to stay a caterpillar you don't want to like like your your body really wants to be in homeostasis yes you have to let yourself grow through the process of play and i I really believe that when it comes to the creative process like i've seen seen people work in like a really kind of like forceful way or like a domineering way but I don't think that's the way like my favorite creative processes that I witnessed and that I've been a part of have all been really playful and fun
0: nice um I'm gonna go back to that analogy you had of kids in the playground mm-hmm. so when I see kids in the playground or everybody has experienced it they see uh, they're playing with other kids in the playground and mm-hmm. they're playing like what shooting game like twist yeah. shooting totally right um at some point in time or, or while they're playing, one kid is going to be like, nope, you didn't shoot me. Yeah, yeah, your, yeah. Your bullet 100%. missed, right? Uh, what would, How would that relate to your world of creating? Well, I'd like, say- What's an example of-
1: i'd say it's it's not being clear about what the rules are and those are like those are really bad faith actors like you're you're acting in bad faith because you're not accepting the losses that come with your ideas not being accepted by the rules that you set out in the group you know it's basically lying right like at the fundamental level and and to me, lying is such an unvirtuous act in the especially in the creative process. Because I, I bet you thought I was lying about having a
0: podcast. You're <laughs> no, like, the no, fuck no. is that happening? <laughs> I saw the podcast.
1: Actually, actually, Mark Mark showed me clips of the podcast and I was like, oh, this looks great. Wrong. Thank you, Mark. Um, Thanks, man. Yeah, the the nature of that interaction. Because like I've been that kid, I'm sure, in my life, mm-hmm. but I've learned that. It just makes people not want to play with you. Yes. So like all my friends who I collaborate with are people who I know that I want to play with them when we get in a room together, mm-hmm. we feel really comfortable together. We do things outside of working that make us feel more comfortable together and make us feel more comfortable with taking the the losses for ourselves for the sake of the better of the project. So it's like, um, there's a book that I really like called the uh, name of the wind. It's a, it's a fantasy book and In the second book of that, which is called Wise Man's Fear, there's a game that they make up called TAC, and the whole point of the game is not to win or lose, but to play a beautiful game. Oh, okay. So that's the way I like to view the creative process. It's like, it has to be a beautiful game. It doesn't matter who's taking credit for what. It's like, because fundamentally, that's just like ego stuff, right? It's, it's, It's more important. That everyone feels as if they're in a state of flow during the game and that the whole process is something that everyone can take ownership over. So even if their own individual idea, even if they say like, no, you didn't shoot me or like, this is my special big gun that I made (laughs) up and to to completely dominate the game. That part doesn't actually matter because it doesn't, you don't actually matter as part of the creative process. Mm -hmm. And and that's the way I feel about myself too. Like, even though it's my image, I am kind of sacrificing my image for the sake of the project. I actually see it as a privilege to be someone who's behind the scenes who doesn't have to associate themselves or associate people associate their face with the project.
0: That's true. Because if that project fucks up, imagine, for instance, with Aftim, mm-hmm. someone says some or I say some nasty shit or someone <laughs> says some nasty shit. I'm yeah. going to take blame for it. Totally. right? And,
1: and even then, it's, it's like if you become well known, then people have all kinds of projections and associations about you. And it makes it harder for people to actually get to know you. And for that reason, it's like you kind of. You know, we kind of have this society, I feel, that privileges fame over virtue. I think that is bad because it, anonymity is such a blessing in, is. in the face of so many things. And and I really cherish the moments that I walk down the street and people don't know who I am. And maybe that'll continue to just be the case for the rest of my life. And that would honestly be great. But I know that I have a musical thing to express. And, then, and the mechanical nature of that is that people will want to get to know the music and they want to get to know the person behind the music and they'll have all these ideas of what the person is behind the music. I know that because I have all kinds of ideas about my favorite artists, you know, about like who they are and really I'm just projecting myself onto them because I'm learning about myself through them and through their music.
0: About releasing or giving out in good faith, Mm -hmm. what I find, there's a fine line to it where you don't have to break it and that is releasing something in the end. For instance, I'm going to go with Aftum. I started holding interviews about a year ago, right? And the people that were on were like, "Oh, well like they they didn't ask, yeah. but it, it's like, oh, like where's where's my episode? You know, <laughs> Will it ever come out?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but and and I was quiet and simply because I was trying to figure it out, yeah, more of than anything, yeah, right. And when I started releasing it, well, people, these same people are like, "Oh, like." My episode, yay. And they come back to being happy about it. Yeah. So I feel like as much as there is the sense that, okay, don't do anything in bad faith, there is also the notion that you can take your time. Of course. With doing things. Yeah. As,
1: as long right. as, I think as long as you're honest, right? Like, yes. I've experienced that too, where, where when I work on other things and they're in charge of executing the thing, it's like people do want to front, like they have things together. Because of that, it makes it very difficult for them to just be honest with you. It's like, hey, I had a lapse in my... My ability to just execute on this, like it just was more than I thought it would be. It's a it's a work in progress. Like that's how I felt about my music for a long time. For a long time too. So I totally relate. It's, yeah. Because it's, I don't think that's acting in bad faith. I think that's acting in good faith as long as you're honest with the people who are surrounding exactly. It. Um, and it's like it's fine to break promises as long as you keep people updated. If you,
0: if yes. Um, you'd be surprised that a person is willing to give you another chance if you're just being honest about a hundred percent.
1: And also right? like. The beautiful thing about, the beautiful test about that is that it's a testament to the process and not the outcome yes. being the most important. Like I enjoy the process of talking because I, I think through my speaking yes. and and it's a very risky thing to do, but because I've done it so much in my life to other people and have made all the mistakes that I should make, um, in order to like reach a velocity where I feel like it can sit down and have it be recorded and yeah. have it be crystallized in time. The process for me is actually way more beneficial than the outcome of the thing being put really? into the world. Absolutely. Yeah. Because like you, and I really appreciate this because you sitting down and taking the time to ask me questions about process and all these things allows me to really understand better where I'm coming from because yes. I am I am gesturing at it just as much as anyone else. And I'm gesturing at it when I talk about it just as much as I'm gesturing at it when I'm doing it. and well, describing it as an imperfect process, but a process that still gets things done, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, so it's... And that's also good because,
0: what, a few years down the line, if you're like, hey, let me, let me look at my mind process, mm-hmm. or even six months down the line, even three months down the line, hell, like, if you feel like, in a month's time, you need to listen to it and understand where 100%. your thought
1: was. Exactly. What your thought, thought process like a journal. was like. Exactly. Yeah. Right? And there's so and many conversations I wish that I had recorded. Yeah. You know? Well,
0: this is going to be Here out, we man. are. Yeah, yeah. Here, here we are. We are. <laughs> yeah, I can just look this up on YouTube.
1: It's easy.
0: <laughs> yeah. And like, that's the case, you know? Have there been any changes or evolution in your creative process
1: yeah really over just time just i'd say s- succinctly really yeah. just adding new people just like adding more people being more open to having people in my playground in my garden just like giving them things to do having them give me things to do just like being really free about how it is that i describe leadership to the creative process and uh that that has evolved from like i used to just make songs alone in my bedroom to me having creations that i made Uh, with other people that I didn't like very much because I just didn't like the process of playing with these people. And I was more focused on the execution than I was focused on the actual having fun in the process of doing Mm. it. And now I feel like I've kind of like got the momentum of knowing what my priorities are and knowing that I can trust, like my background on my phone always is just some form, some text saying, trust the process. Cause it's, it's it's so important. It's so important to just like not think about the outcome that doesn't matter. What matters is right now, and the process that comes with it, because the outcome never feels like it. Whenever, whenever I release a song, I'm not sitting there being like, yes, this is what I do it for. It's the process of making the song, like, like the releasing the song and listening to the song reminds me of what it felt like to make the song, which was yes. so fun. Yes. And then I'm just focused on making more. And that means that, um, that's the wonderful thing about music is that it's just, an you know, at the end of the day, it's like, a, it's like an 80 mil- megabyte file. You know,
0: pretty much. At the yeah. end of the day, at the end yeah. of
1: everything, it's like you know you're not taking up resources. Like it's it's a it's such a magical product. Mm. It's so concise and amazing for that reason. And so you know, it's like any art, like, but the medium of it really shines through. So,
0: you you just put into perspective when you said eighty megabyte. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, my art is like days and days. I'm in studio. I am just sculpting for days over Mm -hmm. days and readjusting things, you know, deleting some things and putting more or adding new things to it. Totally. And in the end, it's just a picture. Yeah. It is just a picture. It's just a picture. It could be like six (laughs) megabytes.
1: Yeah. Like and somebody's probably somebody could look at it on their phone. Like it's, it's someone so, looks
0: at it and yeah.
1: And and that, that I think that's a real argument against perfectionism as well, is that even though like sometimes you get into that perfectionistic flow and it works, but that's still a practice, is like yeah. you practice being perfectionistic. And that's what I like about adding more people to the thing is that they make it so I cringe at myself when I like with running loose, yeah, the vocal on that song was four takes really that's it yeah we mostly used one so it was like it was like my engineer was just like just gave me the space to perform the song yeah i performed it four times and then we went through and picked it if i did it by myself like with my song move on or green eyes or poppy seed i did all those vocals myself those were like 70 takes Oh. which is like it, it, it to me there is a magic to that as well because it did come up with something great but yeah. it, it also uh perfectionism also can totally kill the flow which is so important for the momentum. Yeah. Speaking of
0: perfectionism and killing momentum, hmm. uh, how do you balance creativity with mental health? So how do you manage your ups and downs of the creative process while also taking care of your mental health?
1: Um, I make sure that I know that my creative process is my work. Yeah. So even though it is my play and like fun and all that kind of thing, I make sure that I have a life outside of it
0: that's very true you need to you definitely need to have a life out of it exactly where you're just not doing anything that is related to the process of like creating exactly because oh boy like that's where burnout comes in
1: exactly (laughs) and 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 you don't even acknowledge it like you don't even acknowledge that like I, i and i also make sure that my personal life is really is really fulfilling so like I really avoid things that deplete me because I see I don't see symptoms of it in my personal life. I see symptoms of it in my creative process, which is even more painful, yes. right? So, if I if
0: I never thought of that. Mind blown. <laughs>
1: there you go. <laughs> um like if I do things that if I do things that deplete me, then I'll be fine. Like if I just live my everyday life, I'll be good. Like I'll be chilling, I'll be Able to continue to exercise and continue to do things, but if I spend time with people who kind of deplete me, I find that my creative process really suffers. And so, for that reason, I have to sit down and like kind of do a laundry list of like the people who like not make a list of like this person exhausts me, (laughs) but like I kind of have to make a mental note when I'm when I'm spending time in certain groups of people. Can you
0: elaborate on these certain groups? Like, like what can can you give me an example of um, a principle
1: they hold? or something i would say things that so i I like to think of things in terms of frequency yeah so some people can use that really derogatorily like they can be like oh like i don't like spending time around low frequency people
0: yeah yeah i know but the way great for you to emphasize on that well the way that i (laughs)
1: like like it's it kind of becomes like a like a culling thing like it, it it becomes like a sort of like spiritual racism or something where you're like, you know, it's, it's like, it's like astrology, right? Yeah. People use astrology for spiritual prejudice, but the, (laughs) um, but the nature of, uh, the nature of that prejudice, I think has to be like very carefully put because it comes down to compatibility. So for me, I find that things like pessimism or, Mm. uh, cynicism, or just like complaining, things that like...
0: It's the people that complain and the people that say, I'm jealous of you.
1: Totally. That kind of thing, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Exactly. And so yeah. it, it really it really comes down to like having space for knowing that it, they can be the way that they want to be and it's not your job to change them. But if you want to operate on a different plane where you're doing different things, like I think as an artist, as a creative, you kind of have to be in your own flow of how optimistic you are because fundamentally you're like creating things out of your sense of emotion mm. and you have to like have a, an appropriate level of absurdity so for me it's not that i don't like to spend time around like negative like it's, that's not the thing i just want playfulness so like if somebody's being yeah uh i don't want people being too realistic i want people to be able to kind of like exist in their own dreams and and to like kind of freely abstract their lives and and to be in that space so i find that very enriching whereas i find people who are much who are like a little bit too cold or or dark or realistic you know they're, they're oof, stri- that's my artwork <laughs> yeah <laughs> what do you mean the, the dark yeah yeah yeah. When dark's great dark, I was Dar- like oof, that's my work there <laughs> dark's great it's, it really it really is just like you know when when life's just like really cold and stark like you're shining a fluorescent light like straight in someone's face yeah. it's like it, it, it it's uh I find some people operate on such a level of, like, they need um, to feel safe in their direction. Yeah. Like, that's what running loose is all about. Running loose is all about not feeling safe in your direction, not knowing that you really don't know anything. Yeah. And some people just want to, like, really affirm that they know things. But what they're really doing is anchoring themselves to, like... A state of being mm. where, where they want to stay because they feel safe there and mm. there's nothing wrong with that mm. but it, it's just like they, they're not in a flow that allows them to like pass through life in a way that's um uh pass through life in a way that they can be dynamic enough to allow their creative work to change them yes and so that's all that i mean by it is is, is i view that as low frequency which i think there's a place for it i think most people need to live there most mm. people need to live in a place where they're firm they're solid they're stable they're looking for stability like i'm 28 years old. I don't have any plans on owning any property. I don't really look after my And
0: it's Toronto.
1: I think there are people my age who like who are getting like starter condos or they're like, you know, they're thinking about playing the game because they're seeking out that stability long term. Yeah. For me, I'm just like throwing two shits to the wind and just like seeing how it goes. You're and just that, running loose. No? Exactly. I'm just yeah. running loose. And so that's my experiment in life. And that is like a very caustic, high frequency place to be. And for that reason you know, I'm just as caustic to the people who are trying to find stability in their life if we spend too much time together, you know? Yeah,
0: it reminds me of that saying that you take four people mm-hmm. who are very close to you. You look at their habits. You look at the way they navigate through life. And what you have to do is look at them, four people, put yourself in the middle.
1: 100%. Right? Yeah, and you're just going to be the average basically,
0: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that's where you fall. Yeah, precisely. Right? So if you're around negative people, Right take those four negative people who you're, who you're around put yourself in the middle if there's one positive person right and there are three negative people you're more on the negative side totally if you're if there are two positive two negative you're in neutral yeah. you know yeah you have to look at it in that way and being around people really shapes the mind
1: your yeah. own mind and it's extremely connection. complex too right like it's it, like there's a complex of of social social dynamics that work that way but you definitely do average out Yes. Among your friends. Yeah. Yes.
0: So very important to know who you're with. Very important to be aware of the people you're surrounding yourself with. Yeah. That's why, like, personally, I don't have a problem just chilling by myself. Yeah, me too. And, and this is something I did coming kind of coming out of university. I was like, I'd rather chill with myself than be around people who don't necessarily contribute to my well-being. 100%. And it's it like... It's a choice that I made. I'm okay with say, okay, I'm going to be lonely for a bit, you know, but honestly, it's better than being frustrated at the end of the day after talking to them, you know, and as you said, it's these little things, these habits that you partake in in your daily life that affect, that have an effect on your artistic life totally you're your creative and
1: when it comes life. to being alone too like what you said about balancing process and mental health it's like it's so important to have things that you like to do with yourself yes right so like i in the morning i i just bought a horse trough from my backyard i don't know what that is it's it's like a it's like a livestock water thing it's like it's like a 150 gallon tub okay and i just put water oh in it okay
0: yes And I, just yes. Ha- I, I
1: take a cold plunge every morning it's just something that I, it, it's like a it's like a challenge for myself. It's something that I enjoy doing for myself. Yeah. And it just activates and makes me feel really inside my body. Yeah. So it's like, instead of me just being in my head and just sitting there being like, I'm bored. It's like, I, I can now acknowledge that I have this entire body that is like, that is there and is so full of awareness. Like I can just like be so aware of what's going on in it. Mm-hmm. And it just makes it so much more fun to just like do nothing and be by myself. I...
0: Here's a brief intermission from our deep dive with Kubla. If you're enjoying our journey through the worlds of art, film, dance, and music, how about joining our creative community? No, I'm not asking for a kidney, just a simple click. And for those who are already with us, you're the real MVPs. Bless up. Now, let's get back to the beats and insights with Kubla. Have you
1: experienced...
0: A creative block or struggle with depression or anxiety while working on a project?
1: Yeah, all the time.
0: And how did you cope?
1: Um, I cope by just acknowledging sometimes that the project wasn't meant to be. Like, I think that sometimes you get carried away in thinking that you need to bring absolutely everything to the finish line. But yeah, I, I will very often surrender to the fact that something didn't work out and that's okay. It's probably like, it's honestly probably like 30% of my projects like get to like the, the 60 to 90 percent mark mm. and by that point i'm just like sorry guys like this does not like is this exciting you because it's not really exciting me and mm. oftentimes it's unanimous oftentimes like no one's like oh yeah no i really wanted this project to come out they're like they're like yeah i kind of felt it too and i'm glad that you felt the same way because like i feel like most people will be like oh i'm really precious about this like i've done this it's it's called sunk cost bias right Mm, sunk cost bias is when you've invested so much into something okay and because you've invested so much into something that makes you think you need to keep investing into it sunk cost bias. sunk cost bias
0: today i learned
1: yeah so it's like if you're if you've been in a relationship for like three years but you suddenly dawns on you that this is not a good relationship then that light turning on, you can turn that light off. Like you have a choice to be like, mm. no, I've invested so much time in this relationship. I'm going to decide to make it work. And the thing is that there's no good right or wrong answer. You know, yes. like some of my songs, like I wrote an entire EP where I felt that say, that way about it. And I, I brought it to the finish line and I'm, I don't regret it. It's, but it's just a choice, right? Like it's a choice that you make that I feel really happy making the habit of allowing myself that leeway of, just abandoning projects that make me feel like that yeah. or just like going through the feelings and maybe putting it aside and maybe putting it out later. Like I have tons of things in the kind of graveyard that maybe we'll see the light of day, but I'm perfectly happy if they don't.
0: So like with my process, mm-hmm. sculpting, yeah, right? I create something, uh, if I don't like it, then I kind of still release it. Right. Just cause I look at it and I'm like, okay, it's the process. I learned something during the process. It's Totally. Not, it, it's not as great as the previous piece I did or the four previous pieces I did, but at the same time, I, I got something new out of it.
1: You're being like, very honest.
0: Right, mm. yeah. So I will publish it. But mm-hmm. then I feel like with music, it's, it's different.
1: It is a bit different. Like, I could put something out on SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I just, like, show it to people or put in, like, a newsletter to my fans. But, like... You know, as as you said, it's uh, it it really depends on the medium. Like like, do you find that when you're sculpting something, because it's like such a process of negative, right? Like you're you have to see the shape of something, and then see how it is that you can form it into an object or a uh, something that comes from your subjective point of view. Whereas like music is so additive. Like mm. you're not um like obviously sculpting can be additive too, depending on what medium you're working in, sure. but if you're chipping away at something and you're, uh, or sculpting something out of clay, it's like you're seeing the potential in the medium. Yes. And so you, you, you like pull the art out of the medium. Yes. And for that reason, it's like whatever you manage to pull out of the medium, even if it's like half a person, it's like, I love sculpting as a medium because you see so many examples of pieces that are clearly not traditionally finished.
0: Failed successes. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. that's
1: that's beautiful. That's truly yeah. beautiful. And, and that's interesting because it really makes me think about music too and how it is that people can find a lot of joy in that as well. And, and I find that when it comes to the executive part of music that I can be pretty perfectionistic about it and bring things to the to the finish line eventually. But I, I could probably think about being a little bit less. I could probably put a little more raw things out in the world. I yeah. yeah. I, I, I feel like you don't necessarily have to
0: release it as like a track on its own. Mm-hmm. And, and social media has made it so good totally in today's age that you could put something on your social. It doesn't have to be something that is say um it doesn't have to be a formal release totally. say on Spotify yeah. or Apple Podcast or yeah, Google. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. App music. Yeah, <laughs> Apple yeah, yeah. Music Apple Music. know you mean yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it doesn't have to be a formal release whereas mm. it could just be something like, hey I've been working on something. Totally. Know? And practice. You know, type of type of thing, and that makes it even more. I feel like that makes it, in personally for me, it makes it engaging because it it also shows the process of um your creation as much as it does the finish of everything, and it leaves you vulnerable to the people who listen to you. Hundred percent. Um, offering them the ability to kind of be like, okay, this person is being vulnerable. Definitely. You know, they're not like just they're plastic imperfect. smiling yeah. at
1: me they're, you know? they're human
0: they're human yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, f- I feel like that's more engaging
1: that's a great yeah. point i I feel like that's something that I really I really want to continue to emphasize in what I do as well so I appreciate you saying that because it that that it really makes me think about how it is that I can show the flaws in the process you know like like show people the garden before it's the garden You know? yeah because it kind of becomes the before and after it kind of like takes people along in the process
0: yeah and this is this is something that Looking at other artists that have inspired me, Mm -hmm. um, for instance, uh, Quinn, Casket Knapp, I have learned from these two artists in particular Mm -hmm. that I should show my process. Mm -hmm. I I should show the pieces that I don't necessarily think are great because like... There, there is just something so beautiful about the process.
1: Totally right. That's something that I really like to do with my with with my releases. Is I like to like, you know, make an Instagram post where I just like include the voice note that was the seed of the song, mm. so people can really see where it came from. Mm. Like I did that with "Running Loose." I think I did that with "A Farmer Too." Yes, it's just like a. It's just like a little reminder for people to really see like how it came from and where it came from. Yeah.
0: I feel you. Mm-hmm. Are there any practices or habits you've developed that help you stay grounded and centered during periods of intense creativity and stress?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, like like my my cold exposure practice every morning. Uh, exercise is huge for me. That's it,
0: a big man.
1: Enormous. <laughs> like like I'm I'm a really big fan of seeing myself as an ape. Like I see myself as a as an animal. Like Mm -hmm. kind of first and foremost, like when I acknowledge the all the ideas about myself are that I'm like an artist, that I'm like a a friend or a a brother or a son. Like all these things are true, but the most important thing fundamentally is that I am an animal and that I need to like treat. You know, like I think about the way you know when you meet a dog that's like really well treated, like they've got a beautiful coat, and it's very well very clear that their their owners like give them a lot of really good food and exercise them them small dogs, man. Yeah, totally, (laughs) totally hundred percent. But like when they're really well behaved and like, it's just very clear that their owners, like their owners didn't beat on them or like, Mm. like give them any abuse. It's just love. It's just love and care. Yeah. And, and like, because of that, they're able to create this relationship with the dog where the dog's super obedient. And like, that's kind of the way that I like to view my body It's like, Mm. I like to view my body as like this animal that I have to tame and get to know but i can't be like bad 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 kubla you're not allowed to uh feel you know lust on a saturday night like every human in his yeah. 20s you know like you're not allowed to uh, feel hungry right now or feel tired or lethargic and this is it, i just see that as like the rebellion of the inner animal so yeah. i i like to like really make sure that i'm well fed well slept all these things mm, yeah very important very important
0: as you said man like it's these things that you do outside your creative life yeah pretty most much, important that are important because yeah. they they do have a drastic impact
1: yeah on
0: your creative life
1: i spend a lot of time practicing a lot of time working and a lot of time like being in my craft but like mm. i make sure like the work is like two hours a day it's like That's it. If I do two hours a day every day, then I don't burn out for a week. But if, if I burn out for a week then I lose the momentum, yes. because like you get, if you do two hours, you're going to get more done in those two hours than if you did f- in that, that two hours, then if you added another two hours, there's going to be diminishing returns. You're going to yes. like, you might get into a state of momentum and flow, but like
0: eventually you're going to crash and fall. You're
1: going to crash and fall. And you're just going to be, if you know that you have two hours only to do something, Yeah, you're going to be really attentive. Like yeah. you're not going to look at your phone. And so it's really important to, for me to like emphasize that. One of my favorite thinkers, Naval Ravikant, Mm -hmm. describes it as working like a predator, not like prey. Like a predator goes out, hunts for two hours, and then they chill because they're done. Whereas a prey is always working because they're always vigilant and making sure that predators aren't around. And I think that it's it's better to work in such a way where you're not constantly looking over your shoulder and are like afraid for the future and what's happening. It's better as a creative to like, act like you're hunting down ideas and then when you've got it chill out
0: yeah yeah uh, something you said about predator and prey <laughs> is that uh predators have eyes in front exactly and prey have eyes, eyes on, on the, the side. side yeah right and hey man you're human exactly you eyes, eyes right in front. Right in we're front. predators <laughs> so it's the way that we think too right yeah like if we yeah. were
1: if we were like deer and we were making art we might say like we got to make art for 16 hours a day yes you know but like that's not actually. I I really resonate this. I don't think it's how our brains work. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, we're gonna move on to the uh, topic of collaboration and community. Mm-hmm. So ooh, we touched base on this mm-hmm. quite a bit about you um, having. Uh, Including your friends, friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and metamorphosis and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting. Um, so can you talk about any notable collaborations or projects you've worked on with other artists? And what was that experience like? What were those experiences
1: like? Honestly, those experiences, are uh, like I have a lot of those experiences, but I still don't know how to execute on them. So recently I just had my friend, so I went to London in September for two weeks, just for, I had one gig, but I decided to go for two weeks just for fun, just to like meet people and to be in the scene and see how it is. Cause a lot of my favorite music comes out of London. Yeah. And I had a great time and I met this really amazing Kiwi dude. who's like a very similar kind of artist to me named Jack Page. And he, he, we have such a similar sense of humor. We just love hanging out. It's just a great time. And uh, I paid half his way to come to Canada recently to play a couple shows with me and to write. We wrote an EP, um, and I'm going to release it eventually. Nice, but it's like the the process of getting that done is something that I'm like, you know, after this album that I'm releasing, I'll have a blueprint for how it is that I can really like mm. execute on these things. So you're vibing to it right now? I'm valuing to it, but I, I have a lot of experiences of working with people. It's just like yeah. for me, I just I'm trying to emphasize my own brand, but also. I'm trying to emphasize my own creative process. And like, I wanna make sure that whatever I release, I have like a say in mm-hmm. as is appropriate. I don't wanna be dominated by another person's creative process in a way that that makes me feel out of control. But at the same time, I wanna make sure that we're collaborating so we both learn from each other. Yes. So it's it's just about coming to the table with that sense of evenness. And the really nice thing about working with Jack. Is that we have such like a similar process and such a similar taste that it's been pretty effortless so far. Mm-hmm. But I can tell that we have different styles of execution, of course. And, there's and a lot- that's what makes it good, though. Hundred percent. That's what, and, and and we'll stumble into it. Yeah, but it, it really is a matter of that. And and you know, I've I've written with other friends, like my friend Rodney and uh, and my friend Grace May, and they're all amazing people who live in Toronto. And I've I've written with plenty of other people in the past, but mm-hmm. it's just like i feel the exact same way with the farming analogies like you need to plant the seeds together and then you need to like let things be and sometimes yeah. the garden doesn't come up because you've done too much too much of each other's stuff like, yeah. like the new processes don't quite work together where like you can't quite find the time yeah whereas i can really find the time with myself that's easy. true yes so, yeah.
0: very true you're speaking when you're like yeah with collaboration i like you want to give in. Yeah. You know, you want give, give. Yeah. You don't want give, take. No. You know, the, the moment a collaboration becomes something where you're doing 60% of the work the other person is doing, uh, 40% like of the work. It's like a school project. It becomes like a school project. Yeah, it, yeah. it becomes like a task that like one person has to do. Yeah. And you're not necessarily collaborating, but you're helping out. That's totally. what. That's what I feel like. Yeah. It, it, it eventually becomes
1: mm-hmm. so common <laughs> that when people ask for collaborations and they're just looking to like to like kind of piggyback on on work yeah you've made yeah venture i have a question when yes. you are working in that mode does it kind of make you go like screw this like like screw you i'm not interested this is like like because I, I get dms for collaborations all the time and my initial answer is just like i only collaborate with friends so if you want to mm. collaborate with me you have to spend time with me yeah we have to get to know each other like let's get a coffee let's hang out and in, even then we might become friends but we might never collaborate because we in the process of becoming friends we might you might acknowledge that you find some things about my process really annoying mm. and, and vice versa so like what's the point like do you find that when you're in that situation that you you know you regret saying yes
0: so that's a great question yeah. <laughs> So, first and foremost, i I feel like with uh sculpting or just I'll call it artwork on Instagram, yeah, for first, right? So I feel like with that type of thing, there's this notion of um jumping onto another artist's work just for their followers, or, of course, or whatnot, yeah, right, and thus the question of hey can can we collaborate? I feel like there's a miscommunication mm-hmm. of things. Right, a lot of artists tend to be very isolating. They they isolate themselves, and and I'm like, I'm like, okay, yeah, I I I isolate myself. I find that when a person asks me, "Hey, can we collaborate?" Right, I'm not necessarily like, "Oh, yes, let's collaborate Mm -hmm. right now." Firstly, I'll say, "Okay, let me like, what's your pitch?" Mm -hmm. Right. And if they pitch something to me where they do most of the work or I do most of the work, I'm going to be like, no, like I'll actually work a way to find a common ground. Mm -hmm. And if they're not interested then they're not interested totally. but at the same time it also depends on what type of work they're producing because my work is very specific yeah definitely and it's very niche so something like rainbows ain't gonna go with it definitely right and i've gotten that before yeah and it's like no you're kind of just wagoning on me yeah yeah, right yeah 100 yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that sucks right? yeah. i have
1: another question when it comes to sculpting yeah is like some of my favorite sculpture work is like is like a stop motion animation
0: We've had to stop a stop motion animator amazing. On, on the podcast. You should give him a listen to Sick.
1: Akash. Akash, amazing. Yep. Yep. The, but you have know. you ever considered mixing your medium with... Uh,
0: yes and yes and no. Right. It, it's something that I feel like I would like to do first right.
1: before... Like, you involve someone else.
0: Before I involve someone else. Yeah. yeah. Just because I want to understand how to do it before I start giving people the files. Because yeah. if I, if I start giving people files, right, they're going to be like, oh, like there's something wrong with this file. Oh, dude, um,
1: like, just do it in person. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like,
0: I want to know how I could solve these problems yeah. before I start making it other people's problems. Yeah, right? I respect that anxiety. Yeah, and, and then thus, like, I'm like, no, nah, I'm, I'm not going to, but um, with your first question, I'm okay like There's a lot of miscommunication with the notion of collaboration mm-hmm. with artists. And thus, like, if a person's like, hey, can I use this previous work? I'll look at it and I'll be like, you know what, sure. Mm-hmm. The reason why I'm okay with that more than um, them pitching me something and then I'm like, okay, I'll create something for you is because I look at that as inspiration. Yeah. So this person who asked me about collaborating and he's turning it to something completely different i don't look at that as a collaboration but then i look at him being inspired by my work enough to use it right so so i'm okay with it yeah but i mean
1: at that point it's kind of like me saying that i'm collaborating with stevie wonder because like i i take his ideas you know (laughs) but like like not even to say that not even to say that i do it consciously uh, yeah because it literally is just like I feel like in order to be inspired by somebody and you really have to absorb it so much that it just becomes a part of you. Yeah. And so I I see those collaborations as bad faith partnerships because they emphasize this kind of like you haven't done the work to imitate what has inspired you.
0: And that's also a big thing, right? Is that a lot of sculptors I see online, they do not create their figures themselves. Mm -hmm. They generate them. Totally. And when they generate... like. You could easily see if a person generates a figure, whereas, like, you could tell that, okay, this person sculpted it. And the easiest tell is symmetry. Of course. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense.
1: Like, it brings me to a thought that, like, to me, the worst possible kind of music is bad hip-hop. Yeah. Simply because hip-hop relies on you paying proper homage to the work that you're sampling from. And if you're not doing a good job of that, then you are committing like such a heinous crime whereas like if you're like a bad songwriter there's something significantly more where like you write a bad song there's some, something significantly more earnest about it yeah you know like if i hear somebody write like a bad song and they're playing it at like a party and acoustic guitar and they really mean it i'm like hell yeah but if i hear somebody like doing a bad like they they like play it to a beat and then they're like copying other people's flow it's like such a clear like give me attention not give me like
0: yeah. I'm not making art.
1: Yeah. And I feel the same way about those like I, I feel I feel the same way about those kinds of collaborations as a means to like piggyback without doing the actual work. And that's like that is also to say that like great hip hop is great hip hop, but like great hip hop is great hip hop because it pays homage.
0: It's very saturated right now. Who are your biggest musical influences and how do they impact your work? Mainly in Toronto.
1: I'll work backwards. So I yeah. come from Victoria, BC originally. Um I moved here about three years ago. And the reason I moved here is because I had a really great opportunity in 2017 to open for Daniel Caesar in Victoria. Nice. Yeah, it was great. It was great. He had the flu. Uh, The reason that we opened is because it was with the uh, singer of my old band. Um, got asked by like a local management agency because Snowy Allegra was sick with the flu. They all had the flu, yeah. So we came in. We were all stoked. Everyone was sick. They were like, they were like, hey, but like, don't talk to us. So we, but I had the really fortunate thing to to uh, interact with Matthew Burnett, who was his uh, one of his managers and his producer, yeah, um, for uh, Freudian and Case Study, and I talked to him for like half an hour just about the scene in Toronto. He was asking where to where to buy some weed, and. Oh wait, was this before the
0: them like days? Yeah, yeah, it was before them, them days. Okay. Yeah, it was before
1: them weed store days, <laughs> like six years ago. And uh, and he just told me all the all the ways in which they were moving as a business, and I was so impressed. And I was like, I was like, man, I got to move to a place that has more people so I can get this kind of thing moving. Because like in Victoria, I wasn't looking for the same thing. But before that, I just found that kind of music and that scene, like the bad, bad, not good. The yeah, the um uh the daniel caesars the uh there's a guy here named beach child mm-hmm. who uh used to go by slack of the beach child uh, who's amazing um and they all kind of inspired me to see toronto as like a viable space to make like soulful r music like i'd obviously heard of like the savannah rays and the um uh the jesse reyes is the kind of pop theme more like the the justin bieber kind of pop r&b side of toronto um but it's just not the kind of stuff or drake even but it's just not the kind of stuff weekend it's just not kind of the stuff i was kind of interested you know in. i
0: didn't know weekend was from canada or really? toronto fair enough
1: like, i mean it, it, that's so toronto sound like the kind of like dark r&b sort of like pop vibe yeah it's so toronto sound yeah i
0: found that out i don't know if it was this year or last year
1: totally yeah cool sweet <laughs> um yeah, so working back for right backwards from that, yeah. I grew up in Victoria and I was really inspired by a lot of old Motown and a lot of soul music, mainly Stevie Wonder. Um yes. Steve I'd say like my top five are probably Stevie Wonder, John Mayer, uh Leanne LaHavis, um, Tom Misch, uh, and then like Cold Radiohead. Like nice. somewhere in that line. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say all my music kinda like I wouldn't say fits neatly into that box because there's also a ton of Anderson Pack and like tons of other artists that like really emphasize and still have yet to like come out or Moonchild or Hiatus Coyote. Like there's just so much that yeah. I was really into. Yeah. Full-spec. But my I'd say that my nature really relies on the kind of like medium that I operate in right now, which is like very much like singer songwriter with a band. And so, you know, a lot of that
0: have you seen have you looked into Charlotte Day Wilson?
1: Oh yeah, totally. Charlotte D. Wilson actually like totally escaped my brain. But yeah. she she was totally I saw her in at Rifflandia in victoria in like probably 2016 and uh it was great it was just like my first introduction live to that that like scene in toronto and and personally like i find that her music can be a little bit dark for my taste for my liking it can be i've I've listened to a lot of it i've listened like i I really enjoy the work and that's also matthew burnett okay is also on that oh really yeah. yeah yeah so it's it's a uh and and that's like heavily associated with the bad bad not good people and all that oh. kind of thing. But but I I'm also not part of those scenes at all. Like I ran into Matthew Burnett at a studio session that I was at and I told him I was like, "Yo, you talked to me after this performance." And he was like, "I, I don't do it, right? remember that." <laughs> that's cool. And I was like, yeah man you're the reason i'm in toronto and and i i I assume that he interpreted that like like i came here to work with you which is not the case (laughs) like i did not come here to work with matthew Burnett, but i came here because he told me about the way he moves and and that really inspired me so yeah yeah, yeah. that's good and any
0: more like any locals anyone anyone that you um interact with on your day-to-day there's
1: a bunch of peers that i have that i really look up to like uh it's, it's interesting because when you're in a scene with somebody else you kind of like visualize them mutually as like a rival so it's like i think it's just in human nature to like mm-hmm. i don't see them as my enemy like i'm not trying to crush them i want to see them win but i still like feel a deep sense of like oh they're doing that move that's cool like yeah. maybe i should do that and it's honestly kind of distracting who's your biggest rival my biggest bri- Oh, I can't say who my biggest rival is. <laughs> that is for very, very private conversation. But I'm really inspired by like by like Eris Zabari and Grace May and yeah. my friend Chris O'Day. Make more music, Chris, please. And um, Chris, Chris, music Chris now. O'Day, music. I mean, he needs no more pressure. He's he 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 was one of my first real friends when I moved to Toronto. And uh, but yeah, he's going to release some great music. Nice. But Jesse Gold. Um, who else? Connor Gaines, my friend Rodney, there's like, there's just like a ton of people who really inspire me through just through being around them. They're just mm. like great people.
0: Take those people, put yourself in the middle, man.
1: Exactly. And that's where I mean, that's, that's what you do. Uh, so we're just going to dive
0: into the business of music. Great. How do you balance the creative and artistic aspects of your work with the business and financial aspect?
1: I, I do like, as I explained at the beginning of the interview too, but I think it's important to reemphasize, mm. um, my approach. Cause I think other people can really integrate it into their own lives. Um, mm. is that I really separate the the creative and the executive. So I make sure that they're, yes, they are in collaboration with each other. They're in communication with each other. They know what each other are doing, but I make sure I make very separate time for both of them. And I make sure that I know what I'm prioritizing. And I know that I, I delegate what I'm bad at. So like um, if I, I'm bad, I'm not very good at mixing. I make too many perfectionistic decisions. I get freaked out. I have a hard time putting it there. My mixing engineer is killer. He's so good. He does that. Ow. Elijah Merritt Hitch. He's he's actually the reason I'm am an artist. He's he's really yeah. I was in I was in like this band in Victoria that was uh that was doing quite well in Victoria, and I wasn't the singer. I was just writing all the songs and uh like booking all the gigs and kind of just like being the the the, the guy behind the scenes and um. And he saw that that I was doing that because he was a friend because we had a we had a similar mentor growing up and he came to one of my shows and he was like, Yo, release your own music. Like, stop working with this band because it's clearly like exhausting trying to deal with these personalities and like all these things you're doing. And so I had a very fortunate um.
0: damn he just told
1: you the truth Like, he's that, an angel he? dude yeah he's a total angel so yeah
0: it's always good to have someone that can just blatantly
1: tell you the truth exactly without and like and that's my executive team is all yeah. about that is is that that's what they're all about is like being kind of stark so yeah, my don't enge- need
0: to stroke your ego man exactly no but they do they do they <laughs> stroke my ego more than i stroke my own ego like the, like
1: my my uh my engineer chris corelia is like he really believes in me and he really believes in what we're doing and he really believes in, in the process. And, and it's, it's a beautiful thing because they, him and Elijah work together. So Elijah lives in LA, Mm. Chris lives here. Chris helps me record all my stuff and, and bring everything into light and make it sound really good. And that's such an art that's kind of lost nowadays and in the days of like bedroom production. So he's a, he's a beast in the studio and really knows exactly what he's doing and exactly what he wants. And so, that's all part of it. And then on the front end too, it's like it's like I've, I've just been working with people on uh, on my social media and stuff like that. So it's like all these things are executive. They're, they're part of the business. I don't necessarily see I see them as extensions of my creativity where I can put my creativity. But when it comes to executing on it, it's just like, ugh, it's like yeah. I can't mix those brains at the same time. I yeah. have to make sure that there's a place for one or two of them.
0: So with that, what advice would you give other aspiring musicians or artists looking to make a living
1: with their work? start small. Start really small. Don't try to start at 10. Start at 2. My favorite saying is that if you want to grow exponentially, if you want the curve to go like that, which you do, because that's the most sustainable way to go. If, you, if you're just adding all the time and you're trying to go in steps, you're going to get outpaced by somebody who's, who's just putting in the work really consistently.
0: Yeah. It's just like the gym. Don't lift with your ego. Exactly. You're okay to lift 25s. Exactly. You know, you're fine to live 25s. You're okay to deadlift 25s, man. Yeah, Nobody it's totally gonna, fine. Nobody's watching.
1: But you want to be realistic about like where you have been. Like You want to keep track. You're like, okay, if I was at two before, I want to try to double that, and I'm at four. Mm. So I like to say that if you want to grow ex- exponentially, you have to start as small as you humanly can. Yes. And the smallest increment that, that, uh, that grows ex- exponentially is two. Yes. So I like to say that if you want to start, you have to start by just doubling the effort that comes naturally to you. Don't try to like times it by 10. Don't try to times it by anything. Double that effort. And then when that feels like you've gotten used to it, take note of that, double it again. So mm-hmm. it's like if you spend, if you can spend five minutes practicing a day, spend five minutes practicing a day, but then double it. Spend 10 minutes practicing a day, then double that. Spend 20 minutes practicing a day. And it's not going to end up with you spending 800 hours practicing every day.
0: Obviously. Just stop at two hours, as he said
1: yeah 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 yeah. stop stop at two hours yeah (laughs) totally yeah yeah work work like a work in that way but but also like make sure that you're dialing in other things because it's very conceptual it's not like totally linear where you're like i'm gonna practice for this amount of time a day it's like now you're gonna double how good those 10 minutes are yeah you know
0: i feel like when you just jump when you just jump right into something eventually you'll just be like no i i can't do this that's that's what happens with new year's resolutions definitely it's like people just yeah Yeah. people just jump into the gym and they're like okay i'll start lifting 50s or whatever you know and then you injure yourself exactly and you're back at ground zero exactly so like start slow start slow and take your time the world's your oyster you know one step at a time yeah especially if you're
1: young like if you're young yeah then you don't have, like, if you're young, you don't have to be making money. You don't have to be doing anything. Like, I'd say if you're under 25, like, even if you're older than that, but, like, no one's going to judge you in actuality yeah. for, like, taking your time.
0: You're really okay to make mistakes. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and that's the thing. That's the thing is that we don't preach that we can make mistakes, mm-hmm. you know? And most of the time, loads of people, in order to get to this successful point they reach, they made so many mistakes. Totally so
1: and don't front that's the other thing yeah don't front like you know like that's what running loose is all about the Mm -hmm. chorus is uh, all i know is that i know nothing about the world around me it just feels like i do yeah so acknowledging that you have to feel like you know things in order to feel safe is fine but really deeply try to acknowledge to yourself and this is advice to to creatives know that you don't know like like feel free to say i don't know and you know
0: what like we stop progressing when we stop learning. So, what resources in the city can people utilize, or not even in the city, especially because you're like from I'm an international art no, demographic? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean,
1: I mean, resources in the city is like. Um, l- let me start really small. Let me start yeah. from inside. The resources inside you as a human being are your curiosity, mm-hmm. are your sense of play are your sense of relaxation. Those are all things that you should tap into as much as you humanly can, which means that like, take your time to chill, take your time to be curious. I have a deep and abiding interest in philosophy and psychology. And I used to be very self-flagellating about how it is that I did it. Cause I was like, Oh, it just makes me feel kind of pretentious. It makes me feel like kind of highfalutin. Then I realized at a certain point that it was really making its way into my art. And because of that, it was a true gift and, and I'm just glad that I was able to indulge in it because I just took the time when I was younger to just like read books and, mm. and just like have a sense of play and curiosity. So those are inner resources that are so important. Mm. But then resources in Toronto, I'd say it's the fact that there's tons of people and the seasonality is a huge resource. Like winter Yeah. We just came out of. It's a huge resource. In what sense? In the sense that you have the opportunity to go inward. Yeah. So that when and work on yourself so that when the spring comes around, what you're presenting is the most most charged, optimistic, like like directionful, purposeful person.
0: In other words, you're saying rather than going into hibernation during the winter, use that time to create and to understand yourself. I would say use that time release and
1: Uh, Use the time time for hibernation, but like make your hibernation intentional. Like for some people, hibernation is like staying up till four in the morning, watching Netflix and not caring about their schedule. Like they fall into that routine and I'm not condemning anybody. It's just the fact that like, if you have, if you have an intention, like, like for me, winter is for spring spring is for summer it's like you're always in a you can always yes. be in a state of preparation yes. and because you're going to feel the you're going to feel the payoff no matter what it's like it's like if you prepare you're also going to feel the p- payoff as you're preparing so like the way i like to treat the winter you know i just learned about winter this past three years like where i come from it's just r- is wet season dry season that's all it is welcome welcome <laughs> welcome to <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so I, I've really learned to use the winter to like, you know, this year has been about buying my ice bath and just like getting in there and like making that a habit and developing that. Yeah. It's been about, um, being really playful with my friends and hanging out and like knowing who my really close friends are and the people who I'm willing to like go out in the cold snow to go see as yes. opposed to the people who are like, I have more, less intention about. Um, it's about really, really like dealing with the deep sense of loneliness and, feeling a way in which you can be happy in your own company and feeling that sense of frustration. And some people will escape it and that's fine. Like some people go away and 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 eventually that'll be me. Cause I like it to my mind, I figure I've probably like another three winters left before I'm like, I have the money, I have the resources, I'm gonna go to fucking Portugal. You know, yeah. like that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Um but I'd say that's a huge resource. And then for that reason, spring and summer are a huge resource because people are hyped in the city. Like People are not over it. So like for musicians, like the, the best advice that I give them is like, Go to Long McQuaid and rent a speaker and go busk. Like I I come with a big privilege coming to the city because I have like eight years of being a professional musician under my belt. Yeah. So when I went out on the street and started playing music, people were really accepting of it because Mm -hmm. I came with all of my experience. I was just giving people a show. I was giving people my experience, my expertise. Yeah. But for other people, like they don't actually have a clear barometer of where they're at because they just don't have that much experience. Yeah. So put yourself in front of people and suck. Just make that like that because there's so many people in Toronto, you just have like an infinite array of strangers who are going to be super honest with you and hate you because you suck. Yes. And that's going to give you the fire that you need to 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 either, you know, compress you into a diamond or to make you acknowledge that you maybe need to take a different direction in your life. And I think that both of those things are important, like yeah. not to encourage quitting. I, th- I like to do that as a joke, but it's like, I think it's important for people to like take a step back and be like maybe i'm not a performer like maybe there's some other part of this thing that i'm, a, I'm actually well made for Cause, yeah because some people are kind of like anointed in that way like they were just given the the uh, the uh opportunities and the experiences that gave them the opportunity to become a really good performer yes and other people just like it's something that they really want but maybe it's something that they need to facilitate rather than be and
0: exactly. there's nothing
1: wrong with that